I want to invite us all to consider a question together. The answer to this question, though sometimes can be answered in a short word or two, they carry with them, in, even in those words, something that goes far beyond simple words, depths and meaning. What's more, it's a question that we asked, we, that we ask or are asked over and over again throughout life. And how we answer this question can redefine the course of one's entire life. So, let me ask you the question. Who are you? Now, graduates, over the next few months, as you transition from high school to college, from being at home to a new community, a new living situation, from school to working or, or an internship, you'll be asked this very question over and over again by friends, by teachers, by bosses, and more. Who are you? More than just simply asking about the name, th this question is about what is the core of your identity as a person? And this is a question that you yourself must answer. What is your character like? What, what defines you? What, what gives you meaning and purpose? The question is, how will you answer? See, these same questions are also important for all of us. See, regardless of if we're in junior high and we're, we're just beginning to wrestle with this question at home or at school, or, or if we're an adult who has already forged an answer through our young adult years and continues to refine it. Yet, see, here's the reality. When transitions come into our life, just like these graduates are entering into, this question comes back up. And how will we answer? Who are we? Now, before I go any further, we're going to go a little youth group style here this morning. I want to pause, and I want to give us a couple of moments to just think about and write down how you might answer that question. So I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. Think about it. Who are you? And go. Okay. Now that you've had just a brief moment to think about that, like I said, we're going youth group style here. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and share with them something that you just thought or wrote down. How do you answer the question of, who are you? All right, so now that you guys have had a chance to think about that, I'd encourage you, this is also a great opportunity for you. If you haven't, if you were sharing with somebody that you didn't know, great opportunity to talk with them a little after the service. Great jumping in point. But here's some of the things that may have been on your list. Some of the things you may have said. I am a father or a mother, a, a husband or a wife, a 
hockey player, a basketball player, a volleyball player, a you name it player, could be a comic book fan, could, could be a worker at Blandon, maybe a, maybe a brother or a sister, a, a great student, a Vikings fan, a teacher, a fisherman, a grandparent, and the list goes on. Now, why did we choose what we did to identify who we are? See, we choose these things because it's something that we love. It could be something that we love about ourselves. It, it could be a relationship that we love. It, it could be the result of something that we do that we love. It is a response of love on our part, and as a result, our lives and our very identity can be shaped by what we love. To put it simply, what we love shapes who we are. And our lives can become built on those things. And if we're succeeding in those things, then we feel like we're, we're doing or we're feeling awesome. But what happens when what we love fails us? Or, or what happens when we fail to live up the identity that we're trying to cultivate? Now, those can be some really hard questions, but they are essential to ask. Because sooner or later, one, the other, or both will happen. See, the, these are some of the, the questions that one of the wisest kings of Israel, King Solomon, also wrestled with. See, he was the king who had it all. And he was the king who had tried it all. He put his heart into being known as the wisest king. And, and guess what? He succeeded. But he discovered that that didn't satisfy him. So he put his time and his energy and his effort into being wealthy. And he became rich beyond all measure of anyone in his time, only to still feel empty and bankrupt. So, so he sought love in relationships. So he accumulated wife after wife, only to discover that their love wasn't enough. So he put his love, his heart, into everything imaginable and came to this conclusion. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now, it... If this isn't a depressing statement, I'm not sure what is. And imagine if that was your life verse. Okay. But the warning, the warning is real. We must consider what we give our love to and how it will shape our identity. See, because here's the reality for all of us. For our parents, we're going to mess up. Or someday... We hope someday our kids will leave the house. We will hurt our spouse, or, or they will hurt us. Eventually, as a student, eventually the opportunity or the ability to play sports will give out on us. Or, or maybe there will be somebody better on the team than us. Or, or, or maybe it's somebody who's smarter than us at school. Or it could be that we, we recognize that one day someone will replace us at work as we're retiring. The list can go on and on. The question is, what then? 
is what we're building our life and our identity on something that is a firm and unshakable foundation, one that will ultimately satisfy and sustain us regardless of what happens. To ask it just a little bit differently, is what we're giving our love to something that should become the core definition of who we are? Now, now don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that family, work, school, retirement, all of those are good things. But when they become the core of our identity, they begin to battle with what can ultimately satisfy us. Okay, graduates, as you transition into the next stage of life, ask these same questions with godly discernment as you consider where to invest your time and especially your heart. Because the truth is that you will be presented with many things, things that you've encountered already, new things, good things, and bad things, that will promise you an unshakable and satisfying identity if you just make it the core definition of who you are. But will they be able to deliver on what they promise? For a time, maybe. But ultimately and eternally, if we were to look back to Solomon who tried it all, the answer is no. So what then is our alternative? Where do we go to find something that is lasting and unshakable and deeply satisfying? Our hearts and our desires must be drawn to a new and a greater love. Our hearts must be captured by a love that comes from God. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then just a couple of verses later, it goes on. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. We love in response. We are called to respond to a new love, to his life-giving love that gives us a new identity and a new purpose. Now, this isn't when I'm talking about love. I'm not just talking about a little bit of love. I'm not talking about a little bit of love that, feels, that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. But I'm talking about a love that transforms our entire life. It sinks down into the core of who we are and changes us from the inside out. It is an invitation to share in the deeply satisfying and life-giving relationship between God the Father and Jesus by his Spirit. In essence, it is to say yes to a love relationship with Jesus and say no to everyone and everything else that might capture the core of our hearts and as a result, reshape our identity. Think of this kind of love, an an identity-shaping relationship, like you would a marriage. Now, when a man or woman get married, they are saying that they will exclusively say yes to a love relationship with one another. Now, at the same time that they are saying yes to that love relationship with one another, 
they're also saying no to every other potential love relationship. Does this mean they can't be friends with other people? Absolutely not. They can't and should enjoy friendships with others. But those friendships are not given the same level of commitment, the same level of love, the same level of oneness, and the same ability to shape one's identity as you do a spouse. In the same way, we are free to enjoy the many good gifts of work, sports, family, and more. But our greatest love, the one that redefines all other loves, is found through our relationship with Jesus. This is why we celebrate baptism. See, just as the core of a marriage ceremony is two people pledging their love and their hearts exclusively to one another, the core of baptism is about proclaiming that your love, your heart, your very identity belong to Jesus before anyone and anything else. That the act of baptism, just like a wedding ring in a marriage, symbolizes to us, as well as those celebrating with us, that our entire life, love, and identity belong to that other belong to Jesus. So listen to what Paul says in Romans 6 about baptism and our identity. This is starting with verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified in him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has already been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, this passage is filled with statements about our identity in Christ and how that identity reshapes our approach to life and the hope that we have through him. (laughs) Formerly, we were slaves to sin, slaves to give our love to other things, first of all, ourselves. Yet Jesus died conquering sin and death so that we might be free in him, through him, and with him. In other words... When we enter into baptism, because of our unity with Christ, we are saying that all other loves are dead to us. And that the love that we live, or the life that we live, our true life, our true identity, our true meaning and purpose is to be in a deep love relationship with God through Jesus. 
And the result is that we become adopted children of God. We're given a new life-shaping identity. And not just children of God, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. See, he is the one who defines our identity, not anyone or anything else. So here's the final question for all of us. Who or what will you listen to about who you are? Now, graduates, as you go through this major life transition in the month that's ahead, who will define your identity? Because the truth is, many people and many things will seek to do just that. They will ask, who are you to define you and also to refine you? How will you respond? My prayer for you and for all of us is this that our identity would be rooted in the love that God has poured out on us, and that we love him before anything and anyone else as a response. Now, if you're here this morning, and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you would like to know more about who he is, what, what a relationship looks like, I would invite you to talk with myself or, or with one of the other elders here after the service. We would love to talk with you. But finally, if, if you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, but you've never been baptized, I would invite you to consider doing so. In fact, this August, we're looking to do a baptism service at a lake. And, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you have questions about that, questions about baptism, or, or you would like to sign up, come talk to me, or, or there's a sign-up sheet also out of the Welcome Center, just through those double doors. We would love to celebrate with you your commitment to love Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Let Jesus be the core, the unshakable foundation of your identity. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that you are great, that you are good, that you are loving. And Father, I pray that more and more we would be captured by the love that you pour out on us. That you would reshape, redefine our identity. That we would live in response to that. That we would own what it means to be a child of God. What it means to be your child. What it means to be in a deeply loving relationship with you. And Father, I pray that that would shape how we live throughout every day of, every, uh, of the rest of our lives. Father, help us to find ultimate fulfillment in you and rejoice as we are able to freely enjoy the other good gifts that we have in life because of who you are. pray this in your name. Amen. Go with God this morning. Get to know somebody around you. Like I said, great opportunity. If you just shared something with somebody else you don't know, have a great conversation with them. Have a great day.